Hey, everybody. Hello. You tuning in to Mad About It. I'm your host, Becky. Becky with the good hair. I am joined today for a very special edition of the podcast with my dear, dear friend, Xion. Hey, y'all. How's it going? So, uh, Xion here. Xion has a... He has a confession. I have a confession. You have a confession. Make your confession, confession. bitch. Go for it. Um, I'm going to put on the record that Final Fantasy made me gay. There you have it, folks. Don't expose your kids to it. 100% queerness reign. If you like Final Fantasy, there might already be a dick in your mouth. There might already be a dick in your mouth. Or anywhere else. Or anywhere else. There's, there's a dick in <laughs> your proximity. So, yeah, these are these are, these are are bold claims, but I, I think we got enough evidence. We've scrounged it up. It wasn't too hard. Um, so, <laughs> so here's the deal. We do not want to make any sort of, like, bold generalizations about how it's really gay. Because it's also, like, a completely different culture from a di- completely different, like part of the world that has nothing to do with our culture so um you know are we being politically incorrect about this like yeah 100 percent. like it's a little bit rude to say that final fantasy is gay but i don't know first of all we mean it in an endearing way it's definitely it's endearing. not like we yeah, love it we, not like, we are it. very pro-gay yes pro so final fantasy so to say gay. final fantasy made me gay it's almost kind of like saying final fantasy made me you know authentically true to myself happy to be alive yes. you know so that's another way of doing it yes and part of this cultural difference is that you know in the U- in the US we're not used to the kind of lifestyle that these characters live which we will go more in detail about and so a lot of this you know there's not concrete evidence of you know they're not coming up being like this is I'm such and such and I'm a gay I'm a gender queer. I'm a this. I'm a that. No, it's all implied because of one culture being imposed on another. But also, there's also just, you know, it's like in pop, you know, in like the Asian pop cultures, like androgyny and stuff like that, it's just, it's just really all the rage. It's like, it's just, just you know, like, yeah, we got David Bowie and shit, but uh, I guess that's, the UK has David Bowie, right? Do we claim him? I think we do, but I don't necessarily think we we claim authority. everybody. We claim everybody. I'm, so I'm being a rude bitch. Thing. <laughs> it's, it's, the thing is, is that you can't talk about anything without being a rude bitch. But, I don't know. Final Fantasy's really fucking gay. Like, they have all sorts of things in the middle that's really gay. Like, the costumes are gay. Final Fantasy X-2 is the gayest shit i ever seen in my life. It's amazing. It's um, a giant drag show. If you haven't seen... If you haven't... I'm so, you know, if you're not a video gamer, I think you should still stay tuned. But if you are a video gamer, you probably are because you're listening. Um, so yeah, there, there's definitely like, it's rude to say that it's gay because it's a different culture. Yeah. But we are saying that from our perspective as, uh, United States peoples, when we play this game, it gives us all queer tingles. It's really queer and tingly. It's the tingliest. And we're, yeah, it's our perspective of what we noticed and how it either influenced or just in general affected. Yeah, so are we projecting all of this onto this poor game from another country that didn't intend us to make it super queer? 
100% we're projecting like motherfuckers. This is just, you know, my desires for the video game being like shamelessly projected onto this poor video game with a pre-rendered background that never changes. And you know, that's what they want you to do. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Fantasy. Fantasy. You create it. It's a final. You can't give it all to us. Yeah. It also wouldn't be 100% fantasy. Not even close to 100%. It would be like 0% fantasy. Like, here's the story. So here's the deal. The, the, the person that made person that made Final Fantasy gets all the credit. Uh, Hironobu Sakaguchi. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Well, Nailed it. <laughs> so he's, he's Japanese. Uh, uh, he worked for Square Enix. He used to be Square. Uh, the first version of Final Fantasy came out in 1980, 1987 in Japan on the Nintendo Entertainment System. It was just called Final Fantasy. I didn't think they knew at that time there was going to be 15 of them, but now there's 15. Plus uh, offshoots here. And plus there. offshoots. Yeah. So, and like, yeah. But the for the United States, it came in 1990. That was the, that was the NES uh, Final Fantasy release in the United States. The whole three years after, um, it's a it's kind of a actually uh, tell us tell us about uh, what what's the setup? So there's fifteen. Are they are they episodes? Are they volumes? Yeah, yeah, they're fifteen completely separate narratives. They are not connected via the characters or the plots, but there are some overlapping lore like. Uh, they're used the money called gill. They're chocobos, which are these like bird horses that are kind of like. So 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 they're like episodes, but there's you know, re- recurring themes, recurring elements. Not even like there's themes and elements. You know, like little yeah. like there's little uh, like little eggs left, little Easter eggs almost from past games, but they're all completely different stories, and none of the characters have anything to do with each other, correct? Yeah, correct. Are there no repeat characters? No. That's pretty there's, unusual. There is actually um, a character, Sid. There's always there's usually a character named Sid who's okay. an engineer, but he's not the same person in each um, Like, character game. rendition? Yeah. Okay. It's usually just, like, a similar character, but he's, he's not... Sometimes he's a bad guy, sometimes he's a good guy, sometimes he's kind of more ambiguous. But I think that's just something they have fun with. Okay. So, like, I wouldn't say... He's definitely not the same character. Okay. They usually have a Sid that has something... Usually he's, like, a handyman or some kind of engineer. Cool. I bet, Benny, that that's somebody that the game developers know. Probably. Or, like, maybe just, like, they're projecting themselves on a Sid or something. Yeah. He's only a major character in Final Fantasy VII. Okay. You, he's a playable character in that, but like elsewhere. Oh, he's cool. Just, he's just like usually a side character. Awesome. So, true kind of full confession, you know, uh, Becky has appreciation for Final Fantasy. Becky has played Final Fantasy, but not all of them. Would not consider myself an expert on this. Way more of a Zelda expert than I am a Final Fantasy expert. I can play all the ends. I can play Majora's Mask. Uh, with my eyes closed <laughs> in about 36 hours continuously I can do the whole thing um so maybe we'll have another episode about that at some point but you know we had to bring in the big guns for this one Christian is the big guns so um Action is the big guns so he's got such big guns oh my god 
It's like pure Popeye over here, Mr. Spinach. Oh yeah. Final Fantasy is my spinach. Final Fantasy is your queer, queer spinach. So, um, so yeah, in 1990, we're talking like, you know, this is the time where people were really creative, let's be real. Like, uh, stuff was weird, stuff was kooky. Um, it's not, the video games just like aren't like this anymore. I think that's a fair statement. Yeah. They're, they're just not, they're so much more mainstream. Like, this is, this is a really popular video game during a time where video games were still pretty nerdy. It's a really nerdy video game. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and say it's a very difficult video game. Like, it's not, it's not a, it's not an idiot-friendly video game. It's not exactly, you know, Crazy Taxi. Uh, so if you're into, if you're a Crazy Taxi fan, it's not your, it's not your vibe. You know, there's almost no, I don't think there's any taxi missions in. No, you, you have Chocobo Taxi. But yeah, you, you have to- Chocobo activities, but that's a Chocobo, not like a taxi. Chocobo is just not the same as People can taxi. relate to a taxi. Chocobo is a pretty fucking crazy taxi, though. People don't naturally relate to a giant bird that they ride. Right. It's still very fantastic in nature. That's safe to say. So it's... I, the, my, my favorite thing about this game, is especially I, I really liked uh, Final Fantasy X. That was the one that really got to me. Yep. And Final Fantasy X, the, the remix. I did Final Fantasy X too. Um... Uh, I I like that uh, it's completely ridiculous. It like uses hardcore consistent elements that like make all stories amazing, except puts them with like really, really out there, otherworldly settings. And right when you're getting too confused, there's some sort of recurring piece of lore that brings you right back in. And you like don't at all feel like out of the loop. I don't know. It like we're, it like it like throws your imagination out there. It's an without, adventure. It's an adventure. It throws your imagination out there without letting you get too far out there and get totally freaking lost. I if it's too out there, I get I lose it. You know, it's gotta have it's gotta have some really like firm core like grounded elements, and I feel like. The number one thing about that in this one is, uh, in all the games, is the the personal relationships. Yes. Personal relationships in the game are pretty pretty ridiculous. It's like really really good writing. Yeah. So before we get into all the 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 the, the, the stuff, we gotta talk about the evolution of the whole series real quick. I know that sounds ridiculous, but we're gonna breeze through it. And uh, just to lay, to just, to, just to lay kind of an idea of like, all right, so the game it was originally on a Nintendo Entertainment System. If you ever played an NES before, it's uh, not exactly an HD gaming experience. Now I love old school games. I'm a real hardcore old school console sort of person. I like that better. It reminds me more of. Uh, Kind of just, you know, like a, a board game almost, or a book, or a combination of a board game and a book, which I think is just about the best thing since sliced bread. I like it when I can kind of go into daydream world where with the game that I'm playing. I don't really like it when it tells me exactly what to feel and think all the fucking time. And a lot of minor games, in my opinion, that they're just shoving it down my throat all the fucking time. They're telling me what to do, telling me what to think. They only give you one or two options. You don't have a lot of different, you know not a lot of variety um and uh final fantasy is so good at you know taking you on a journey they're really good at storytelling 
The storytelling is so, so on point. So if you're really into storytelling, you're going to be really into Final Fantasy. And uh, uh, the thing about it is that Final Fantasy VII, probably the most important game in the development of the series. Yeah, it was huge. From Final Fantasy I to Final Fantasy VI, it was a two-dimensional game on an NES. Uh, and then Final Fantasy VII got introduced and it was on a PlayStation 1. PlayStation, uh, the original PlayStation was like uh, so, so dope for its time. Um, so, so dope. Like it could do like more advanced 3D than basically anything yeah. at the time. Yeah. Even, even Nintendo 64, which is huge. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so the disc, the disc, the disc feature, the disc play features, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty important thing. Um, and that, that, that lets us do all sorts of new things. Uh, there's, a there's 3D, there's still no voice, but now we have cutscenes. Because uh, the PlayStation can basically play movies, you know, and you can play a movie on a PlayStation. Um, like a DVD. You can... On the first ones? I'm not quite sure about the first ones. Definitely... Not the first ones? You definitely could for PS2. I'm not sure about PS1, though. Oh, okay. I, I bullshitted that, then. I'll cut that out. Okay. Mm. But, okay, uh... but there... So the, so instead of being in two-dimensional... Now suddenly we're in, we're in 3D... And 3D is a hell of a lot more engaging. It's much, much more, uh, you know. And they, they, their, their abilities to uh, to make the characters become a lot more uh, expressive. Expressive. They get polygonal, uh, polygonal characters. So you get, you got characters with uh, arms and limbs and feet and hands and heads. And it's kind of the beginning of the end for Final Fantasy. This is how they. This is the direction they go forever. Yeah. They get more and more realistic, uh, and and in some ways, you know, I don't know. But when we were preparing for this episode, I really strongly feel like the more realistic you get, the less, f- you know, fantasy there is. And I think Action kind of agrees with this, uh, but. You know, but at some point, you have to admit that it kind of also makes the fantasy more intense. Yeah. And it's like a, this this argument of like how much how much guide do you want in your fantasy? You know, like how much influence do you want from the thing that you're doing? You know. Yeah. For the you know, and it's like the other th- the other thing is just a attention attention span, like the games as they progress. They they get faster and faster. Pretty much, this, the gameplay is faster, and in, in, in every new game, it's a little bit faster than the last one. Yeah. So is that is that changing with the times, or is that game development, or is it both? You know, who even knows? I kind of feel like the pace of the old games is really really good. <laughs> Similar. To, I'm also just like a hardcore fan of like Game Boy Pokemon, like just real slow pace consistency. Yeah. Usually not as much direction either. Not like as something much. is mentioned, you have to remember it. You have to you remember, remember it, otherwise you're just never gonna you're never gonna get it. Um, I also love games that are actually hard, and when you mess up, it actually has consequences. That's what I really like. Um, and in modern games, that's like that's like a that's like a it doesn't exist. They've completely gotten rid of that. Yeah, there's a in few modern games. notable ones, but yeah. There's a like, few notable ones. What no, do you mean? Like notable games that like. 
do have that, yeah. but at the same time, like, for the most part, no. It's usually, like, you can save anywhere. If you yeah. die, you just, like, come back, like, with little to no repercussions. You just, like, basically have to, like, do it again. But yeah, no, it's definitely gone that direction. Final Fantasy, when you die, like, shit is so fucking annoying. Yeah. Um, not as, you know, it's... It's just, you, you know, I just think that, uh... <laughs> I don't know. There should be consequences when you die in a video game. It should not just be like a oops. Yeah. What happens when you die in Final Fantasy? Well, see, that's one it thing depends too. On the game. It depends on the game, but I think with the slower-paced games, if you die, you have to go back to your last save point, which because it's slower-paced, like it's just it's you're taking more time usually. Where like you know usually for Final Fantasy X, you'll be like at a save point and then like there's a save point not that far ahead but like in the earlier games there are fewer save points fewer places to oh my god there's so few save points in the fucking fantasy 10 though at the end of the game where you had to go through all the fucking end things (coughs) yeah which kind of gives it that (coughs) gives it that challenge and i know like there is um i think in final fantasy 6 in particular like you can in like final fantasy 5 you can save anywhere, but the whole thing is that you you don't you're not recovered, like your heal your health isn't recovered, so like it would be stupid to save before like a big boss fight and your characters are like low health and you have no potions. Like then you're kind of screwing yourself going forward. So in a sense, like even though sometimes giving unlimited saving is just as bad. Because it's not like you're being recovered like you are in Final Fantasy X. Like you go to a save point, like your health is replenish like you're ready to go man you play have you ever played Nino Kuni I have not oh my god Nino Kuni I know so I know and I, I always look at it it always seems like a game I'm really so Nino Kuni is like Studio Ghibli and Final Fantasy had a baby um <laughs> yeah if you're if you're a if you're a Final Fantasy fan and you haven't tried Nino Kuni and you have children especially I don't want to be weird about it. Nino Kuni is totally for kids. Uh, like I enjoy it as an adult, but um, I have a lot of you know extracurricular activities that help with that. <laughs> and uh, I also just you know I'm a sucker for Studio Ghibli animation. It's very influenced by that style. I mean, it is produced by that that studio, but um, I don't know. It's not always you know it doesn't always look like hand drawn Studio Ghibli shit. I'm like I'm not a, not a dumbass. <laughs> so like. A video game that was made by a huge team of people. It's not like gonna be like a live, you know, it's not gonna be like the same as watching Spirited Away. No. But it's still really, really good. Also, the music is so good. Oh, it's so good. Anyway. It's also the case in Final Fantasy. The music is A. Wasting my time talking about Neo Kuni right now. I'm so sorry. So, um, alright, so. You could say that the sensory stimulation is the real thing that changes also. So, like, all the games get faster, and also, they get more and more stimulating. Um, Final Fantasy XIII, like, if you have epilepsy, like, will kill you. <laughs> you will die. Um, a lot of colors, a lot of flashes, a lot of shiny You things. can have epilepsy and play, like, all of the first six games and, like, never even have a single problem. But okay. it really, you know, it really starts to mess with you. It's like a light show from... 10 on pretty much. Yeah. 10 is like pretty visually stimulating. 
um, compared to the games that came before it, but compared to the games that came after it, you know, you're gonna fall asleep. Like compared to, you know, you like it's like unbelievably not not flashy compared to the other games. Yeah, no, it's. And that's the thing, I really do think that from Final Fantasy 1 to Final Fantasy 15, it's really a sensory evolution. Because in the first six games, all you have to go by is the limited visuals they give you, because it's like 2D pixels, and then the actual dialogue. With no with no voice. So you have to actually read and comprehend, and it gives you so like a little bit of material, but just enough so that you can create the images in your head. Like you can say, hey. This person looks like they're wearing this color of this, and they probably look like this, and they probably sound like this. You get to kind of create a lot of the content with all these like just little implications, but you're given a good story. You're given these like fantastically developed characters, and then going forward, it kind of becomes more personal. Right. I felt, at least. Right. But then once you get to, you know, 7 is where it starts getting 3D. Like we mentioned, 7 through 9, we're all on the PlayStation 1. All 3D. Every Everyone got a little bit better looking, but at the same time, it's still that kind of polygonal shapes, and it's still PlayStation 1. Kind mm-hmm. of doing as much as it can at the time. And it's still classic, you know, Final Fantasy turn-based combat. Like, uh, that's something that I really enjoy about the game, but also really frustrates me as kind of a hack and slasher. I like being a button masher, you know? Like, I got my roots in just, like, Smash Brothers shit, you know? I like that type of video game. And this is not one of those, not really a button masher sort of video game. It's very strategic. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, it's a lot more like a card game than it is uh, a video game at times, you know? It's kind of like a, a self-shuffling card game, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, 7 through 9, PlayStation really amps it up, and then we get into Final Fantasy X, Final Fantasy X-2. Uh, the PS2 makes everything, like, a whole new world. Oh, a whole new world. whole new world. It's crazy. The shit that they can do on a PS2 compared to shit that you can do on a PS1. PS1 is like a hunk of garbage. <laughs> it's like, it's like it's crazy because it was so amazing when it came out, and then it was immediately so, so surpassed. Like the PS2, I don't know. I still secretly think that the PS2 is like the best gaming system. Like I, I just I like all no the idea. games. I, I like all the games on a PS2. Yeah. It's definitely like it's like the best. This is the best of PlayStation. I think. My favorite games are all from PlayStation 2. Yeah, all my favorite games are PlayStation 2 games. And I think PlayStation 3 is really fun, but it's also just like like a movie that gives you a headache all the time. I just don't understand why everything's gotta be like a goddamn, like, fucking MDMA rave. It's like hard to pay, it's hard to pay attention. I was playing Grand Theft Auto, and it was like, Grand Theft Auto 5, that's the one for PS3, right? Yeah. Goddamn, it's just upsetting. It's too much. It's crazy. It's like, it's like so much lights in your face, 24/7. Final Fantasy 13 was like an actual rave in my head all the time. Oh, it's it was like, like I'm saying, like I, I, it just gives you a headache just looking at it. It's nuts. And there's so much movement, and you're never gonna get a headache playing Final Fantasy 10, and it's also never boring. So like, you know, it's really engaging. Um, 
It's really cool interactive backgrounds, really cool shit. Um, such good storytelling. Yeah. Maybe my favorite story. I don't know. Seven oh. is the better story, isn't it, though? Well, it just depends on what you're looking for. Right. And what kind of happens. Because without giving, like, any big, huge spoilers away, especially from Final Fantasy Seven, the, the main characters are so different. Because Cloud in Final Fantasy Seven is very, like, brooding. He's very quiet. He's kind of, like, a tough guy. But then there's, you have Titus in Final Fantasy X, who's, like, an athletic goofball, who's, like, funny, but also, like, really immature, but, like, at the same time, like, kind of bright-eyed and has that kind of energy. It's weirdly, that... like, the exact same character as the Kingdom Hearts. Basically Sora. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's basically, basically Sora. Sora. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think a lot of the magic, though, is from the storytelling, and I think how they do that, at least the way that I've always interpreted it, is through the cast of characters that are playable. And so basically, with all the Final Fantasy games, there's usually a focal male character. That can be argued for Final Fantasy VI and, of course, Final Fantasy XIII. But, you know, that's just in general, it's usually, like, a focal male character with a cast of, like, ragtag... It's, like, this ragtag team of completely random people that do not go together at all, like, completely different personalities. They bring different skills to the table, both, you know, diplomatically and fighting, like, physically way they fight but it's this, the interactions that we see between these characters when they're going through a mutual journey and i think especially with final fantasy 10 the characters are so colorful in so many different ways you have every single character is a hundred percent different from each other and i think with all the themes that we're going to kind of touch or that we're going to touch in final fantasy 10 it's interesting to see how their relationships change after each big event and so that's kind of like my interpretation of why Final Fantasy X is so powerful to me because it's just this is development that you see between people that are so different that I wasn't used to right because I was used to seeing you know like-minded people hang out together like you know you go to a church you're like oh everyone's Catholic here you go to school like usually every you know I went to private school all my life so basically you're a part of the same people with the same socioeconomic class, right. people who think the same politically, same religiously. All look the same. Yeah. You know, literally, because you're all in fucking uniforms. Yeah. And then you have this game where everybody is like a fucking, like, spirit animal, <laughs> like on the outside and on the inside. And all they're all personalities. Like, pursuing their huge dream. And, and it's so performative. Every single person is performing yes. a clear personality. And like, all video games have strong personalities, but these have the... I would say that these have, like, such aggressively individualistic personalities. Oh, yeah. Well, again, it's, it's giving... Final Fantasy X is giving you more information than the earlier ones were. Mm-hmm. You know, before because there was... There's just more features on the game. Like, the, the system is more advanced, The what, what they can do with it is more advanced, and, like, what they are choosing to do with it is more advanced. And it's also innovative in every way, shape, and form... You know, I think that might be my main beef with uh, some of the newer video games is they don't really seem innovative. They just kind of seem like full of stunts. Like, there's a big difference between an innovation and a stunt. I feel a lot of experimentation being done right now. Right, experimentation is one way to put it. Yeah, like, I mean, trying to see like what hooks people because you know they're already right now like the quality, the visual quality is so high. They're trying to think, you know, what can we do to offset right. that right without like, you know 
you know, trying to go beyond that instead of just the visual aspect, like the playing aspect, like how can we change the fighting styles and such, right? Which, you know, is what Final Fantasy is doing right now. Right, right, right. But, you know, I don't know. Is Pokemon going to change his fighting style? Did it change his fighting style? I kind of feel like the whole appeal of it is the, is the style, it is. you know, and like to me, Final Fantasy is a turn-based uh, fighting game, and it's almost like if you decide to go against that style, it's almost like you're saying that you agree that it didn't really, wasn't really that fun. It's Does so that make fun. any sense? It's like so fun. It's like my favorite. Like it's I'm a little bit obsessed it. with the, the turn-based fighting, the turn-based battle system. Is that the right way to say it? Yeah, it's like active time system. Active time system, is that what they call it? Yeah, like... Um, yeah, I like it. I really think it's fun. I love that you can put your controller down and, like, go to the bathroom and then come back and, like, you aren't dead. And when they started making it so that you were getting attacked... Active time battle. I'm sorry. Active, active time, time battle. battle? Yes. I couldn't remember the third word. Sorry, it's ATB. ATB! Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I um, was like... Yeah, active time battle. I mean, unless you're like a video game nerd, you're not going to be too upset. Yeah. You might be a video game nerd. Oh, gosh. That's okay. Be so nice to us. We're we just so love nice. playing. We, we just love- like it, you know? We're just in it because we like to win it, you know? It is what a big... It's no big deal. We should, uh... We should talk about how, uh... Yeah, I mean, and now suddenly there's voice in Final Fantasy X and Ten Two. Yeah. Like, that is such a big, that's such a big deal. Oh, yeah. It adds a personality. And also, literally, like a, like a, like a, a whole, but there's so much into somebody's voice. You know, you can tell so much about somebody from just their voice. So, like, uh, having a voice actor for a character really, really, really amps stuff up. But, again, every time you go into more detail, you're losing a little bit of that imagination. And you're losing a little bit of projection, you know, like you can, you can freely project personalities on that to any of the characters that don't have voices. Like what, there's a character in, you said, Final Fantasy V, that uh, is very androgynous, you can't tell what gender they are. And Ferris? Yeah. Ferris. You can't tell what gender they are. If they had a voice, then that would really heavily influence our ability to fantasy uh, reverts or roleplay or whatever, whatever have you, with that Ferris. Yeah, because at first the other the other teammates they don't realize that she uh, he is a she. Mm. They they think uh, Ferris is a man, but then they like they act confused and it kind of gives you a hint like oh like they're they're conflicted. They're like oh I think she's a man, but there's something different about her. Right. But then it's kind of revealed that she's not. It's not really a spoiler. It's so, like, it's not really a spoiler. It's just a part of a character, you know. Uh, I am obsessed with the fact that there's a genderqueer conversation in Final Fantasy V, let's be real. Yeah. You know, do we need to label it like that? No, but does it make it fun, too? Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, like, Mulan. Like the it's Mulan very shame. Mulan-esque, you know, female warrior who has to pass as a man in order to get respect. You know, if they're not confused, then then she's not doing a very good job of being a warrior. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. So, uh, yeah, it's totally legit. Super hot, also. <laughs> but having a voice actor has a huge impact on the, the way everything works. Yeah. You know, that voice acting is, uh, that's going to be a real big change. 
And like you said, that's going to take something into an, a deeper fantasy for some people and take some people out of it more, you know. But I, I liked all the voice acting. I'm also just kind of not a cutscene person. I love cutscenes. X-Gen is a cutscene person. Um, yeah, I don't know. Explain cutscenes. Well, basically cutscenes are theatrical movies in between events mm-hmm. in a video game. So usually, like, when you start a game, they start with a cutscene of, like, you know, it'll give you a setting. Like, you're not actually uh, controlling any of the characters. You're just basically watching a movie until you assume control. And usually just gives more information. It tells more of the story. Sometimes it'll act out dramatic events. Um, so it's not just, like, something... It's basically amping up a situation. And that those really started in Final Fantasy VII when they got to 3D. And, but again, they were few and far between because it took so much like energy, you know, like to make one cutscene on the PS1 was so much harder than it was on the PS2. So I think in probably Final Fantasy 7, there's like a couple cutscenes. Not many though. It's usually, it's mostly told still through inaudible text. Right. And same with Final Fantasy 8 and 9. They both have cutscenes, but it's not like it's not a common element of the playing experience where Final Fantasy X, there's cutscenes everywhere. There's talking, there's moving, they have clear joints and muscles and facial structures, like you can see their expressions. Mm-hmm. It's On the box for Final Fantasy X, like, it advertises that there are facial expressions, like, because um, when it came out, that was like a huge innovation, yeah. that they could have like really in-depth facial expressions, like... To the characters. So, like, nowadays it's, like, hilarious. It's hilarious to, like, bring up the point of facial expressions. But, um, it used to be, like, so exciting for somebody to have a facial expression on a video game. Um, especially since the game is so... I just think that the, the format of the game is so bare-bones, like, functional, that, like, without all this extra stuff, it's not good. Like, that's... If you're not into all the extra stuff, then there's no point in doing it. Exactly. Like, the lore behind it. Yeah. It creates the world. It's like, I think it's similar to why people love Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, I like to think of Harry Potter, it's not a story about magic, it's a story about people who can do magic. Yeah. And it's kind of like Final Fantasy, it's not about, like, the essence, like, it's not just about the fact that everything is not real, it's about people with relationships and connections with friends and family and dire, like, life or death situations reacting in the world that they're in. Right. And so you're taking all these things that, though, of course, none of these things would happen to you, but, like, you know, you never know. You might be on a... You might be hiking, and things can happen there. Like, it's... It's it's a fantasy, but it's fantasy of... It's symbolism of real events. Oh, yeah. Of real life. Oh, yeah. Real, uh, you know... Uh, finding strength in the people around you, you know, and uh, problem solving, and uh, some people having skills that others don't. Really, it's a it's about every individual's power, you know, and uh, and uh, it's also very progressive in nature, you know. That one of the things that I really like about video games is that it really teaches you that you know 
you do the work and then you get a reward. That's kind of a bad thing in its own, too. It's like, you know, it's not how life works. You don't get a reward every time you do good work. Yeah. And then 99.99% of everything goes unrewarded. So, like, it uh, doesn't really fucking matter if you get a reward. But, like, you know, the rewards in Final Fantasy are just not very... They're not a big deal. No. You don't do it to get something. You don't... You're not doing the game to get something. Like, you're... There's no, like, inventory surge that you're, like, looking for. You can collect all the weapons, but, like, it's, like, that's This minor. part of the story, though? But not part of the story. It's, like, it's something extra that you can do. Oh, okay. But with Final Fantasy, it's... It's... Um, I attribute it to reading a book mm-hmm. or watching a TV series. It's just a very long, extended story that you're invested in that you happen to be able to play and the writing style is fun and it's innovative and you get to control it and yeah sorry so Final Fantasy 12 13 and 15 are the storytelling ones that come after this yes and then 11 and 14 they're massive multiplayer online games we don't give a shit about I've never played them. I've never, um, I've never actually been a part of like an. I've never played an MMO. I played them like at friends, but I've never owned them. Mm. So like, I'm not. Eleven and fourteen aren't are just mass multiplayer games that are done through other players. So like, you don't. They're not the same as the other Final Fantasies. They don't have the same type of playing style. So for the sake of this, we're gonna exclude eleven and fourteen. Sounds good to me. I mean, you know, I am, I'm a fan of MMOs, but, uh, you know, it's not the same format. It's more like World of Warcraft. It's more like, it's more like, well, unless, like, uh, what's, like, uh, all the stuff that we've been talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know, it just kind of doesn't fit the bill. Like, it doesn't fit with everything else. Yeah. So, we're going to focus on 12, 13, and 15 uh, for this bit, just to explain. Because 12 comes out on PS2, 13 comes out on PS3, and 15 comes out on PS4. And all three of these games experiment with new battle systems. So here's the deal. We love the turn-based battle system, but now they're fucking with it. I don't really get it. Basically. What the hell? You know, it, I didn't. I hated 13. I couldn't get through it. It's hard, and it's frustrating. And everybody's bouncing all the time. There's a, yeah, there's, there's a lot of bouncing. There's a lot of movement. And that's why... like constant bouncing. And here's the deal. We're, every game gets faster. You know, Final Fantasy X-2, they introduced timers in the battle. That's crazy. Yeah, like, so it's like, you know, before, from Final Fantasy X before, basically you could wait for the most part. I think Final Fantasy IX, there is a, it does a little bit of like a timer system, but it's really slow. It's like way slower than Final Fantasy X-2. Like X-2, it's like, you have to like make a decision right then and there or else the enemy's gonna keep attacking you. But in Final Fantasy X, you can just put down your controller and like think. Or just go get a snack. <laughs> or, like, do whatever you want. Like, it's all... You control the pace of battle. Where now in Final Fantasy ten two onward, it's all more timed. And there's a completely different type of fighting style. So, what do you think about that? I think it's interesting. I think the different fighting uh, systems that they're trying to use... It's an experimentation that I think needs to happen, just because... It just kind of seems like they're trying to reinvent the game to me, you know, and, like, that's fine, but, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know? That's true. But I think they're just trying to find different ways to evolve, because I love Final Fantasy XII. Mm-hmm. I think Final Fantasy XII is 
brilliant and amazing. Mm. Um, but the way, the way it changes, it's, it's no longer like, you know, you see an enemy or like you don't see an enemy and you get in a random battle and it's like very like a cultured or, um, what's the word? Oh gosh. I don't know. Um, in Final Fantasy X, it's like, you know, you, you're just running and all of a sudden you're in a battle and then you fight the battle and then all of a sudden you're, you're back to running again. It's like, but in Final Fantasy XII, you're just running around with your team and then if you see an enemy, you attack the enemy and you like give like skills. Like, it's like your characters are constantly moving in real time. Like nothing changes. You're just, it's almost like other games where you just, you're running and you see an enemy, you attack it. It's not as like separated, like, oh, you're running in a field, now you're in a battle. Mm-hmm. It's like all combined. Mm-hmm. And then Final Fantasy Thirteen kind of goes back to like, oh, you see an enemy, you approach the enemy. If you approach the enemy, you get in a fight. But your base, your character is constantly moving. And Final Fantasy Thirteen, the battle system is, it's like very simple, but it looks very complicated, just because like you control what role each character has on the battlefield. Like if they're gonna be, you know. Um, like a commando, which is more physical attacking, ravager, which is more magic, medic, which is healing, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's almost like you just like put them in those titles and they go off and they fight and you can't really control anything. You just kind of keep mashing X <laughs> and then like eventually like once, you know, you, you basically are changing their title, their, their roles until the end of the game. Right. And Again, I wasn't a huge fan of that, but I mean, it was very theatrical. Right. Like it's it's definitely this more for the This is one of the, the most cinematic games. I feel like. Yeah. Oh it's yeah. It's like literally just a movie. And I think like and it's a great cast, and it's it's the first strong central female lead. Like oh, yeah. Lightning is the main. I am obsessed with Lightning. Like I, I don't don't get me wrong. Like I I am obsessed with Lightning, but I couldn't get through the game because it's hard and doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. And again. And it's goddamn movies. I hate cutscenes. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not in this for cutscenes. If there was zero cutscenes, I'd be like, "This is the best game I ever played in my life." And that's where Action and I disagree on this. But uh, it's how I feel. I need to say it. That's it. Okay. <laughs> not to keep redirecting, but like, so here's the deal. We have to talk about the queerness. We have to talk about the queerness. The overwhelming evidence is a queerness. Overwhelming. Um, it's like we said, and they never come out and actually just have gay sex. You know, we never just like see P in A. We never see that. We never see like a hardcore gay sex in Final Fantasy. Does something need to have hardcore gay sex in order to be gay? Fucking, of course not. Duh. Um, it's a weird joke, Becky. I get it. But there's not even any gay characters. There's a lot of androgynous ladies. And there's a lot of ambiguity. The fuck ton of, like, I mean, fucking pain is so androgynous. <laughs> pain for Final Fantasy Fucking, oh my god, pain though. Ugh. Her name is Pain. Her name is Pain. She wears all black. She's got short hair. She's pretty short hair. Yeah, she has really short hair. And, uh, she looks like she's a fucking dominatrix. And her name is goddamn Pain. And I know that that's, like, probably not what they're going for, except, like, you look me in the eye and tell me that's not exactly what they were going for. (laughs) So you don't do that by accident. You don't, like, oh, God, I accidentally put this character in a dominatrix outfit and named her Pain. 
Like, what the hell? And don't mind, if when, you know, in the game, it is revealed that she had a romance with one of the male characters. Mm-hmm. But I... Hey. Who's buying it? Nobody. First of all, they're not together anymore. Not even a little also, bit. Also, Nuge has long, beautiful hair. Long, beautiful, and he basically wears Jonathan Van Ness locks. And he has, like, skin-tight, like, jumpsuit on. Yes. Just saying. Like... He's a lady man, a lady and man. she's fucking him. So, what's that make her? A lady man lover. What's the way to be a lady man lover? You be a lesbian. That's a choice. Somebody tell Payne about us, you know? She'd love it. That's all I gotta say. And I'm pretty sure that her girl troop, you know, I'm not gonna say that they're all mutually masturbating at the end of every save cycle. But they're fucking, you get to the safe sphere, and they all just rub one out. And it's the girl power. And they all get their health back, and that's how it works. They do. So it's a whole gangbang every time they get their health back. And if you don't believe me, you fucking plot, you play that game. Play Final Fantasy X-2, and you tell me that they aren't all just fucking all the time. They're all, like, crying and holding each other and dancing and celebrating and, and dancing and singing songs about how they don't need boys. It's nuts. There's well, a whole lot of, like, oh, we don't need boys in that game. While simultaneously looking for Titus. <laughs> They're constantly... I understand that the whole goal of the game is to fight Titus, but we never see him. We Maybe see that's just guy. what they got to tell everybody when they're going through the town. You know, oh, we're looking for my boyfriend. <laughs> that's what I do. For sure. Like, oh, yeah. Like, I, I, I met a weird chiropractor last year when I was here. There's a very strange chiropractor on the street down here. All right. All right. He's weird as hell. He's got tons of pictures of his family, and he keeps talking about God and stuff. And I was just like, yeah, I got a husband. I got, like, ten of them. You need an extra husband? I got so many husbands, I don't know what to do with it. I don't want to tell you that I'm a lesbian. I look like one. I'm wearing a men's coat. You know, I'm scowling at you. And I'm daydreaming about your wife right now. But I don't know about you, but I'm going to tell you I have a husband. Because this guy's fucking weird. Is that weird? Is that unethical? No, it's not weird. I definitely, I mean, especially especially people just kind of go with it. Sometimes they'll be like, oh, like, they'll come to me and be like, like, does your girlfriend bind or does your wife? I'm like, first of all, you're just assuming that I have one of these. Right. Second of all, I have neither. <laughs> right. And I'm not going to correct you because, especially if it's a business interaction, like, I don't want to get, like, screwed or something. Never. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, anyway. <laughs> all this shit is gay. Pain should be gay. Pain doesn't have to pretend to have a husband. Shouldn't have to be like, oh, I like that guy with the long hair and the tits and the long skirt. Yeah, okay. You're not gay, Pain. Uh, Fang is also really dykey. For Final Fantasy 13. Fucking Fang is dykey AF. I want to fuck Fang. She's a damaged character. She's like a character you actually want to play with. It's unusual for the female characters in Final Fantasy to be anything other than like witches and fairy princesses and like nature nymphs. Like, so, like, like healers or thieves, you know. And of course, there there are exceptions all over the place. But like, you know, usually in all the games, like the primary character is usually male, and they have like you know their physical attackers, and then the primary female is a healer. That's usually just how it is, or like some kind of magic, right? Type caster, caster, caster types. Um, and you know. 
not the only person that kind of hates caster types. It's just not my favorite person to play with. They're very useful, they're very strategic. You have to have magic in the game. I mean, your magic character ends up being like one of your most used people. Like, Lulu is like so, so important. Like, I fucking hate Lulu, but like, she's important. You know, I don't understand why she has to have like little stuffed animals and shit. Oh, I love that. Like, so I know you love it, but I, to me, it's just like, uh, I know. I just like it when they're like boss, boss bitches that are also kind of like dressed as dominatrices and like. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. Tiki. I don't know. I I'm biased. Yeah, I feel that. Well, especially because in Final Fantasy X, like the three female characters who I think are all brilliant, brilliant characters mm-hmm. in different ways. You know, there's Yuna, who's the white mage. Summoner, Lulu, the black mage, and then Riku's the thief. So it's like, you know, none of them are traditionally dealer, you know, damage dealing types of the physical nature. Though I do have to mention that the, the, there is something called the sphere grid. You can technically make each character however you want them to, but your character is automatically dropped in one spot over right. another. So like, you can't just like choose to make Waka a mage. Right. Like you have to like take him significantly through his sphere grid. And then like if you want to make a change, you can teleport, but like you can you you only get like one teleport in the first half of the game, one teleport or teleport orb. So then you can change them, but they're on a pretty linear path. Right. It's a pretty guided gameplay. Yeah. Um there's not a huge amount of, like, you can't play the game in many different ways. No. You could, but it's it's just not quite the same. No. You can choose different characters to specialize with, but I wouldn't say that you can really influence the gameplay very much. No. Not at all. No. I mean, there are some exceptions. Like, I know for Final Fantasy V, it's completely open-ended. Ooh. Like, you just, you you accumulate these jobs. Like, they're, like, called jobs. And you, you can create your character, like, to do whatever you want. Like, because there's four, well, technically five, but at any given time, you are you have four playable characters, and you can change them at any time. But again, like, usually you have to address, like, what you need. Like, you can't be like, ah, they're all going to be physical people, because then who's going to heal you? And then who's going to be able to damage the elemental types? But in general, it's pretty linear throughout the games. Right. They have their, their strengths and their weaknesses. Right. It's all about that... That fixed background, oh man. Yeah. I tell ya. I know, it's just like... When you look at Final Fantasy, all the games are... Such... Like, there's such concrete recurring elements. And then all the new Final Fantasy games... Go against all their concrete recurring elements. And I, I am tempted to be like, it's not Final Fantasy. But at the same time, it's like, we gotta reinvent it. Like, you gotta do something different. And I think that, um, that, you know, what's what's now expected out of a video game is completely different than what used to be expected out of a video game. Yeah. Like, that's kind of, if you're going to have an issue with it, you got to have an issue with the market, not really with the developers. Yeah. But, um, all right. So here's the deal. Like, it kind of goes back to, like, the cultural stuff versus the... You know, our projections as an American audience, like our experience with this as an American audience. Like, a lot of the androgyny, you know, like a character like Fang, a lot of characters like Pain, stuff like that. Uh, androgyny of these people, is it really queerness? You know, is it fair to associate that with homosexuality in any way, shape, or form? Some people are 100% pissed about it. They can go suck a dick. 
quite literally. Um, I just, I don't know. As my experience as a queer person, you know, when I see an androgynous character, I get all sorts of tanglies. Yeah. Not necessarily because it's, like, better or worse. It's just somebody I identify with. And, like, how, why is it such a surprise or such a revolutionary idea that queer people are going to identify with androgynous people more intensely than non-androgynous people if that's how they identify? You know, so I... You know, and obviously not all queer people are androgynous. Plenty of exceptionally cisgendered queer people. There's nothing got to do with having a deviant sexuality and having a deviant gender. You know what I mean? Listen to the other episodes of the podcast. But, undeniably, the androgyny is what we're isolating here. When When we're talking about the queerness, we're talking about these characters that are just flagrantly bending gender... And making the game more interesting because of it. And making it easier for me to identify with the game because of it. I mean, even Yuna. Like, I'm sorry, Yuna has some hardcore, like, empowered woman. Like, very, very bisexual, pansexual sort of vibe. Yeah. I would totally say that if they had to go into detail, I definitely would say that Yuna's, like, distinctly, like, omnisexual. Yeah. Well, and almost kind of backing up just a little bit before we kind of dive into that, I think there's just so many trends, too, that you can look at throughout the games that kind of point to this idea that, you know, you know, of course, you know, women and men can be androgynous and it's fine, but it's looking at how those characters, what role they play in the story. So, like, when we look back, you know, the major characters that stick out to me that have, that have probably the most outward instances of being at least genderqueer or, you know, pinpointing on the androgyny, you know, there's Ferris from Final Fantasy V, but she's not the main female character. It's, you know, there's Bartz, who's kind of like the protagonist, the main guy, and then Lena, who's kind of the, the focal female. But the thing is, is that Ferris is kind of like, he's, she <laughs> is the is more of like a supporting character. And so you look at that, you're like, okay, cool, whatever. And then Final Fantasy IX, there's Kina, who's a completely off-the-wall character, like not a human. There's a lot of, you know, discussion on, you know, he, she pronouns, doesn't really go by any of it. Um, it changes. Even in different countries, they have different pronouns. In Spain, they say she, but I know in the U.S., it's mostly he. But again, there's, there's a conversation in the game where it's like, it's never concrete like that. Oh, right. he or she. There is, like, pushback because of that. And that character is not a focal character. Right. So he's just kind of extra. Yeah. So in a sense, it's almost like, you know, we're what, what we're putting onto this idea is this idea is the American cultural view of, oh, androgyny isn't as beautiful as, like, fully masculine or fully feminine. Right. It's like, oh, it's interesting. And so it's, like, those kinds of characters that we're drawn to because we're, like, that's what we are. Yeah. That's what we've always seen. Like, we're the other. And so looking at all these trends, and even looking at um, Final Fantasy XIII, this is a big conversation that a lot of people have, is our Fang and Vanille... Vanille sorry. Fang and Vanille lovers? Right. Or are they just very close workplace associates? Right. I mean, you know, friendship... I just feel like friendship is a, is a really strong theme in these games. 
Um, and I'm gonna go ahead and say that, like, they seem to treat love like it's some sort of extra special phenomenon, but they also treat friendship as if it's, like, the only reason to be alive. So, like, um, you know, is there a hierarchy? I don't know. There's only one kiss. We talk about this. There's only one kiss in the whole game. It's between Yuna and, uh, Titus. Titus in Final Fantasy X. Yeah. And... You know, there it's intense, but like, I kind of feel like, wow, obviously they treat that love like it's a huge fucking deal. Yeah. Friendship seems to be the most important yeah. thing in Final Fantasy. Yeah. And I mean, and kind of, kind of rounding out, wouldn't be with me bringing out Fang and Vanille, like, they are essential characters, but they're not like, they're not Lightning, they're not Snow, they're not the primary two characters. But throughout all of these games, the main trend is there's a focal character, and then there's something really bad about to happen, and then that focal character somehow amasses a team, and they all go through the world trying to save this, whatever, like save the world, most likely, or a person, or a company, or a company. <laughs> A country or a continent or whatever, um, but the team, and that's like for me the magic of Final Fantasy is the cast of characters. The team is always just ragtag. It's just you don't the, the bunch of random ass people who like would never get along in the real world, mm-hmm. and we're so used to you know being a part of the same groups. And so for me, it was really cool to see a group of people who are very different, very performative, very theatrical work together and become friends and then that connection that they have together like gets them through because you you know it's almost like you run into all these scenarios where if you didn't have one of those characters they probably would have all died Mm -hmm. like there's always like somebody who's saving the day and for me like i was always able to latch on to a character and it was usually like the speedy characters like my favorite you know my favorites are like riku Lock from Final Fantasy um, 7, no, sorry, Final Fantasy 6. Um, and then even like the Viera characters are usually very nimble characters, but you can latch onto them, but then you're watching them interact with people that are so different. And as, you know, a baby queer, I was just terrified to talk to straight men. Right. Like, absolutely terrified. Like, it's the like idea... A, it's dope to be able to watch, like, these weirdo queer people interact with these, like, straight, normal, like, hero types. And, like, everybody loves each other and everybody's friends. Yeah. It's like a cool alternate reality that, like, does exist, but only when you're, like, finally with your group, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, it's just it's just kind of a dope testament to friendship. And, uh, you know, I'll, you know, is it queer? I don't know. No. But it, it, I feel Can like, it be? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's my version of Final Fantasy. It's my fantasy. Everybody's fucking queer as hell. So, you know, if you're pissed that I'm turning your gay into being a queer shit, just shut up. And accept the fact that it's, you know, everybody's fantasy. It's not some sort of set fantasy. Yeah, exactly. This is more of just how the game affected us and how what kind of latched us onto it. Because, you know, again, because queer can just mean different. Like... The idea of, like, Riku and Oren being friends, if I'm in Riku's very, like, like, you know, chipper, like, young girl, 
very kind of, you know, mischievous, but just very, like, cheerful. Mm-hmm. And then Aaron's, like, this super old, brooding, like, man. And just, like, the idea, like, of these completely different people getting along and helping each other. It was something that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Like, these incredibly diverse groups of people, or these incredibly diverse people working together. Mm. For me, it caught me. Because I was like, wow, everybody has a purpose. Everybody, like, fits in while being different from everybody else. And I love that. That's huge. But, on the so flip... Oh, here's the thing, though, is that there's, like, bad queer representation in Final Fantasy. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to do. Yeah. But, another trend is... And, you know, I've, we've seen this in a lot of movies, especially maybe of the Disney variety that also utilizes. But a lot of the villains are almost blatantly queer of some sort. Like, the ones that stick out to me, I mean, even Final Fantasy VI, you know, it was still 2D. Kefka, who's, like, one of the worst villains of all time, worse as in, like, amazing, um, very effeminate. Like, he's a clown with a lot of makeup, he's wearing a lot of colors, he's very, like, nihilistic, he's just literally like looking to just destroy the world and like watch the world burn but he has very colorful language the way he speaks it's he uses like extensive vocabulary and i'm not trying to sit here and say like oh like he seemed intelligent so he must have been gay not straight that's not what i'm focusing on it's the idea of he was just a very flamboyant character and you can feel that through the text and the fact that when you watch when you look at videos of, or if you watch a picture of him he's often floating He's often floating in the air. It's like this idea of like kind of like, you know, he's very different from everyone else. He's has he's got like powers, but he's almost reminds me of like the Cheshire Cat. Like he just kind of shows up, causes some mayhem, and disappears. And so you know that's you know of course not the best representation of being gay, but whatever. But I think that the biggest example is probably Kuja from. Uh, what's it called? <laughs> Final Fantasy Nine. Literally, he's purple. Literally, looks like he's wearing like a drag queen costume. Like so much skin showing, and he's like so flamboyant with his with his hand gestures. He flips his hair. Like he's you know, granted, Final Fantasy Nine doesn't have voices, but now you can see more motion. It's three D, and so you're watching this character with very colorful language. You know, he's very like kind of petty and witty. He like do does little short jabs at characters based on appearance, and he always is like making fun of Zidane's, who's the main character's like appearance. And so it's this idea of like you see this character and you're like, oh, like I remember me, me seeing. I was like, oh, he seems cool. I was like, wait, no, he's like really evil. <laughs> I was like, I guess I'm glad he's here, but maybe not. I don't know. So I, think I mean, you know, that's just like tough call, you know. Representation is amazing, and it's also like, what the hell? Yeah. You know, like, why Why is, uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's not, it just doesn't make me feel better when the queer people are evil. Yeah. It's kind of like, okay, fear and loathing of queer people. Eh. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough call, because, like, it's also kind of hot, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I kind of, I love a good queer villain. I want to fuck the queer villain. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe that's the whole thing. We all want to fuck the queer villain. Maybe I'm not the only one that wants to fuck the queer villain. No. I, I love it. It's hot. <laughs> you know? I. Or fantasy. It's twice as much fantasy as when they're good for you, you know? I don't know. It, it's obviously it's good when they're good, but it's not as dramatic. It's not as theatrical. No. You know? And, um, also, and oftentimes, these characters, you know... You're used to looking on the protagonist side, where it's like the protagonist and his team. But then there's a villain, and of course there's like side villains and there's primary villains. But these characters are largely alone. Like they're largely by themselves, and even if they have some lackeys, like they don't trust them. They don't respect them. It's basically you're. It's a lonely entity trying to do something awful to the majority. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of. A toss up with how to read that. You know, they 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 describe Kefka as a nihilistic sociopath. You know, I think that's like pretty much all supervillains. I don't know. I mean, the idea of a supervillain is kind of just made up. You know what I mean? Like nobody is actually a supervillain. Um, so he's a, he's a caricature of badness. You know, like it's just a caricature of the wrong thing. Yeah. And the good guys are a caricature of the right thing, you know? And everybody always thinks that they're a good guy. And, uh, there's no such thing as a bad guy, but, you know... <coughs> in Final Fantasy, there's, the bad guys are just as bad. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of, there's like, of greater, redeeming, yeah. you know? By they're the end not... of the game, you're pretty much certain this person's, like, you, you want this person dead. <laughs> yeah, and there's not a lot of, like, uh... Oh, I wonder if they're worth saving. Like, usually not. Never depends. I mean, uh, some fleeting moments. Yeah, they're fleeting moments, but like, usually, largely, you get to the end and you're like, okay. Like, otherwise, like, what the fuck would the game be? Like therapy, you know? Like, sit down with the evil villain and be like, listen, like, well, like, we think that you're just internally very homophobic and you need to stop killing the whole world. Well, that's one thing that. I Maybe think. the evil villains are just internally homophobic. Maybe. Maybe that's why they're such dicks. Perhaps. But I would even see that, and kind of getting into this point, is I think that the uh, Final Fantasy like 12, 13, 15 really start to play with these villains that are bad, but at the same time, like, they have, like, a logic. Like, there's a logical reasoning, which, of course, we're not going to kind of focus on too much on that, but I think that's another way that the new games are experimenting. They're experimenting with you finding a virtue in the villains, so you kind of get attached to them, but then at the same time, you're like, oh, no, you like, you kind of have to go. <laughs> we, we can't let you stay doing your thing, but also, like, we feel like if we had a little bit more time, we could help you. <laughs> but usually, I mean, especially up to Final Fantasy X, like, usually, it's, like, pretty set in stone. Yeah. Who's good and who's bad. Which is why, another reason, that Final Fantasy X is great because one of the main villains, Seymour, doesn't start off as a villain. Mm. It's And of course, I mean, you kind of get a weird vibe from him, but at the same time, maybe that weird vibe is just the fact that he's so obviously gay. He's got, like, long blue fingernails. He's... He's got, like, this elaborate robe that's oddly covering, like, none of his chest. It's, he's a very flamboyant character. His voice, because now we have voice. And it's almost like before you kind of just look at the character and be like, okay, like, there's some motions. Like, the text is very, like, leading towards 
queerness of some sort. But now you have a voice and he has a high, like a higher voice. He has more inflection to his voice. Um, you get like a creepy vibe from him. So it, you know, even when you meet him, you're like, I don't know if I should trust this person. But, but at the same time, like he's he's a religious leader. He's a prater, which um, in the game is like kind of is like a like, like some kind of like religious leader. Um, There's so much religion in Final Fantasy. Yeah. You know, like a whole separate Final Fantasy religion shit. But it's not a video game podcast. Sorry. <laughs> um, but there's like so much, and you know, like. I don't know, man. Are they are the characters actively religious? Like Yuna is, obviously. Yeah. Well, the thing is, and um, I almost feel like this is like a good transition into talking straight about Final Fantasy X. Right. 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 Yes. Right. Cool. Um, because looking at Final Fantasy X, religion is a huge theme. Like there's the you know Church of Yevon mm-hmm. and the followers and the different camps and the different thoughts and the war and all these temples. different. When, like, and, like, how to deal with sin and everybody's opinion on sin and, like, whether or not sin is, like, something that everybody should come together to work about. Yeah. And it's so, crazy. Yeah. And so to give some setting with Final Fantasy X, um, there's, there's a lot into it. Like, obviously, we re- highly recommend you go play the game. You can get it for PS2, and they also have it remastered for PS3 or PS4. Dope. So, basically, you can play it on PS2 through 4. Um, completely worth it. So, basically, there's a guy, the main character, Titus... He's from, like, a different time, and he somehow, through sin, which is this giant scale, <laughs> he kind of looks like a giant, like, whale scale, um, comes into his town of Xandrakin and destroys it, sucks up a bunch of shit, and he comes into it. Wakes up at the state island, um, and which is where, you know, the you know, Yuna, Waka, and Lulu, who are three of the other main characters, live. And he basically is just, like, walking around being like, where the hell am I? Why, who are these people? Where is my town? Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically, he meets Yuna and basically learns all about Sin. So Sin's the primary enemy of the game. Seymour is a villain, but, like, Sin is, like, the thing that's going, like, literally ravaging the entire And I think it's like, world. you cannot pretend like sin is not literally sin. Exactly. Like, do you understand? Like, like, so, like, not only is religion, like, a huge part of this game, everybody in the thing is religious, they're also in a religious battle against sin. Like, like, the, it's like they're, they're all, sin. this name is fucking sin. So, like, it's so weirdly, like, hyper-religious in that way, but also, like, isn't at all. Yeah, and they also, because, you know, and how you defeat Sin is that there's summoners that summon Aeons. Which are, you know, we're not gonna get into like the full lore of it, but like. But they're know, like deities, basically. Yeah. You go to you go to different. You know, the summoner travels on her pilgrimage. Right. It's called a pilgrimage. They call it a fucking pilgrimage, straight up. Each, yeah. Each temple to pray. Yeah. And then they're you know binding with the Aeons. It's ridiculously and, religious. Yeah. And so you're going through, and you have your team. So it's like you know you have your guardians to help you, and your the goal is you you go to Sin. You summon what they call the final Aeon, and you kill Sin. Mm-hmm. And but the, the whole thing is that they, they really think they're like if you pray, and you go through this route, like we can de- defeat Sin for forever. Which I mean doesn't happen. Like it's never happened. Like Sin's been around forever. Right, so and that's the whole theme is that Sin never dies. Like because it's fucking Sin. Because it's goddamn like metaphor for literal Sin. Yeah. So like. So yeah. like he yeah. So like 
he, he never he dies, dies he always but then he comes back. back. Yeah, he always comes back. Um, and we're not gonna give away like the details of that because that's part of like the big thrill of the game. Right, right, so, right. Go play it. Yes, go play it. Um, but yeah, so it's this idea, it's this presence of religion, and this idea that if you do this, you can control your fate. Basically, you can help everybody save the world. And so there's this idea of, you know, religion, which I, I personally, as somewhat as a gay kid that went through the Catholic school system up until college, I mean, I was constantly basically being told that, like, I was bad, I was right. wrong, I needed to yeah. change. And so having this idea of religion that the main character doesn't really, like, care about. Like, you know, Yuna's very into it because she's the summoner that the whole team is protecting, but, like, he's very unfamiliar with it, so he's just kind of like, whatever, like, they're gonna yell at me if I don't do this so you know and then there's the character Waka who's very devout like basically a conservative Republican of his time (laughs) Um, very devout religion but on the topic of this religion there's a community of people who this religion is actively against and they're called the outbed and they're basically they're kind of these like tinkery people that you know make a lot of things and they control these machines called machina i mean you know machina machines um but it's almost in the church it's illegal to use machina they think that's the reason that sin came and so they attribute the coming of sin to the albed using all these machines that they're making and that's riku is a character is the Albed. And I think the Albed really symbolizes all other groups of people. It could be people of color, it could be LGBT Just like people. Foreigners and minorities in general. Anybody, yeah, anybody that's seen as different. Right. And when Riku is, you know, Riku simultaneously, it, I think it's symbolic at the very beginning of the game, and I'm not really giving anything away, um, but Riku saves the main character. Like right, right off the bat. It's like the, without Riku, there, like, Titus would have died, there would have been no Final Fantasy X, we'd have no purpose to our lives right now. Um, and so, you're, you're, you see an outbed do good. It's a little, you know, they're, they're hesitant because they come across this guy, they beat him up a little bit, but like, I mean, whatever, it's fine. Um, they save him. Um, but throughout the game, you start learning, you just see all this, this political and religious conflict not only like in the team, but just in the country as a whole, or the continent, I guess you should say, of Spira. Um, and so when Riku's like introduced, like there's this huge feud between Waka and Riku, because Waka doesn't like the Albed, he thinks they're all crooks, thinks they're all like just awful, horrible people. I wonder what that's direct parallel to. Right. Like maybe some people, and again, this is not a bash at religion either. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's just, I've, I've had a lot of positive experiences the church and in school but I've also had a lot of negative ones right that are objectively negative right so I'm not saying that it's definitely relatable to not like church is all we're saying yeah you know, exactly it's a hella relatable thing also can we talk about how like kind of all of this is just kind of like teenage woes <laughs> like there's like a you know it's just like I don't want to go to church and my parents suck and my dad makes me feel like shit so here's a video game about it I mean, you know, I'm not trying to trivialize it, but it's definitely very coming-of-age problems set to a extremely dramatized theatrical journey. With monsters and magic. You know, and like actual tangible things to conquer. 
Yeah. Instead of, like, your feelings and your hormones. But, like, uh, it's so legit. It's so relatable. It's such a good game. It's really queer. Is it queer because it's Asian or is it queer because we're faggots? I, I think it's both, you know? I think it's a little bit of both. Because it's, it's, again, it's going back to this idea of, the, of these intense connections that in other countries, like, having strong friendships and having, like, touching in your friendships is normal. Mm-hmm. But for us, especially as a, as a male, someone who identifies as a man... Before we before we move on, we have to talk about how Final Fantasy XV, everybody thought everybody was, everybody was, like, leaving women out of this. Oh. We have to talk about the, like, anti-feminist bullshit, this, like, nonsense. I'm sorry, there's nothing anti-feminist about... Final Fantasy having an all-male cast. If you look at any of the past games, there's tons and tons of female characters, and they're not all casters. They're they're a very inclusive lineup of different sorts of avatars. They might have, in fact, done four male characters because Final Fantasy XIII had tons of female characters. And so, so, so be it. Men like playing video games. So do women. What's wrong? There's a there's a whole game of just women. Because Final Fantasy X-2 is all women. So, like, if you hate that you didn't have a woman to play, don't don't play any of the other other games. The other games, they don't have any men to play. So, like, (laughs) you know, like, it's it's pretty even. Like, they're not, they're not biased. They're, they're, I wouldn't say that they're not biased. They're obviously biased. Everybody's biased. Like, bias is part of life. But there's definitely, like, a very, you know, kind of everybody mixed in sort of vibe to these games and the fantasy part of that is what really brings it all home so I just I don't know I think it's completely ridiculous to complain about the fact that there's no women in the fantasy 15 yeah and again they're experimenting and you know they came up with a story that involved four very close male characters and again there's nothing that's overtly queer and of course um there's like the like Freya, who's like the um, I think it's like Unifreya. I don't remember. I'm sorry, I don't remember her name. But like the that fem- the female character that basically that he's looking for, um, Noctis, the main character. You know, there is a strong implication that maybe they're you know romantic interests, but they also could just be like childhood friends. You know, again, nothing is overtly said. It's kind of the same with Noctis and Prompto. There's you know, a like lot of friendship versus rom- romance is the crazy yeah. thing. Yeah, and that's the thing is there's there's a, there's a level of appreciation for friendship that I think the games evoke that the U.S. does not have. Right. Well, the U.S. is just like also just like full of bitches. It's it's focused on romance. It's focused on finding your soulmate. So basically, kind of you know with the religion and sin. There's that conflict. It's going forward. You know, there's religion versus blasphemy or heresy or whatnot. And it gets to a point where, you know, Yuna's on this pilgrimage. Like, you're doing everything that's quote-unquote correct of a summoner. But then she has to make a choice. She gets to Unaleska, who's basically a naked godwoman. Right. And she's like... Basically, again, I don't want to give too much away, but she has to make a decision. She has to make a huge decision and she decides to go against the church and go on her own path which is badass but also kind of what we all had to do like we all kind of had to like we had to we had to say like we like this part we don't think is important because it excludes me and what I want and what, what 
what I want, assuming that what I want does not harm other people. Like how I want to react. <laughs> the cat is like. The cat is having a. The cat is like coughing or something. Cat, are you okay? Oh gosh. If you barf on your favorite blanket this year. <laughs> She's so mad at me. <laughs> Listen, bitch, we love you, but like, what are you doing? Are you a barf? Okay. Back to, back to cuddling. Okay. Um, sorry about that. No. Um. Oh, no, no. It's just basically just kind of rounding out. It's just you see Yuna make a decision to defy the church to do what she thinks is right because she's starting to learn more of what's actually going on. There's just so much corruption and control going on within this particular religion that she decides to take matters into her own hand to make the world a better place for everyone. Dope. And, which is amazing. And the fact that it is revealed that she is half Albed, which again is this whole like idea that like, you know, again, Nothing to, not like she's, you know, of course she's into Titus, but it's this idea of, like, she, without knowing it, like, she represents a character who is, like, by something. Biracial, bisexual. She's two parts, there's two distinct parts to her. And though you have characters like Waka and Riku who are very much, like, proud of who they are or what they're not, you have Yuna who hides a lot of this information from everybody because she knows that they were going to be upset. She knew Waka was going to be upset when she, when he found out that she was half out bed because she's Riku's cousin. And, which is like an odd coincidence, but like, I'm, I'm into it, it's fine. So actually, maybe she, <laughs> maybe they're not fucking. <laughs> right. But, you know, it, whatever. We don't know their cultures. Incest is the new thing, which is awful. <sighs> Incest is like everybody's favorite, secret favorite topic. I don't understand. Like the whole world just like loves incest. Yeah, we all understand that incest is awful. And especially because Riku's brother is like very sexually attracted to Yuna, which means if he's Riku's brother, named brother, then he's also related to Yuna. So ridiculously incestuous. So ridiculously incestuous. And you want to know who Riku and brother's dad's name is? Father? Sid. Sid. Sid comes back. Oh my god. There we go. Oh my god. So. Oh my god. But yeah, that's basically like the the main fact is that it's just, you know, and then on top of like the great fashion, like the great like the elaborate costumes they have, all and the, the colors. The dancing. The dancing, the movements. The, the movements, movements of each so character. It, exactly. And they're so expressive. Even of the males, they're just so expressive. Yeah. Even if it's not queer, it's just more expression than we see out of most straight guys. Sorry. like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just more expression than we see out of most people. I mean, yeah. we just it's a very hyper-expressive thing. You know, is it our fault that we think hyper-expressive things are queer? Like, maybe. I don't think so. I think it's just how it's always been. But again, queer doesn't necessarily have to be sex- a sexual thing. Exactly. It it's is definitely it's, unusual. It's, it's a you behavior. Know? It's so a lifestyle. It's also just like, it's a, it's a style. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's a notable, like, you know, the same way that like Art Deco is a style. Queer can be kind of a bit of a style. It just depends on what area you're in or region you're in. It's, you know, it's not our fault that this Asian style anime, uh... 
illustration kind of is queerish to us. That's our perspective. Yeah. Hey. Well, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? I think we kind of. I think we kind of did it. I think there's like parts. very few. I mean, there's a, a million things we could talk about. There's a million things. There's like some sort of gay bathhouse. What does it say? Oh yeah, in Final Fantasy VII, there's Cloud, the main character. It's not even like honestly like that huge to the story at all. But right. like, it's like, well, he has he he does go in drag to try to get into like something. I can't exactly remember what it is, but like. He gets in drag and he's uncomfortable about it. And then he's like in a gay bathhouse. I honestly like don't even remember the context. But it's not like Cloud's like, oh my gosh, I love this. He's obviously very uncomfortable with it. But the fact that they like put that in. Like you have these like pixelated, like buff men with no shirts on. <laughs> it's like, okay, like with like a very feminine language. And so it's kind of like, okay, like, what is this implying? I think it was more of like maybe I think that could have been more of like a gag. Just because it's like right, funny. it could have just been a gag, which is like also kind of weirdly homophobic, but also like you know maybe it's not a gag, maybe it's just how it is. Maybe not. And then the music, I just had to like say oh, the music, music of Final Fantasy yeah. X, beautiful, so good. There's not like the, every every screen and every like sound clip is like gold, so good. It's beautiful, great tale, great characters. It's good. A lot of lore, a lot of great storytelling. Definitely worth getting obsessed with, y'all. Yes. Um, alright. I think that's about it. I mean, this is a pretty good episode. But, uh, we're gonna tune in with some more stuff soon. Stay tuned. The queer music episode, I'll be honest, it's it's so in the works. (laughs) But my computer cannot hold the files for all the different shit that I'm working on. I had to delete, like, half of it. I'm working on it. I'm working on a solution to this. But Becky's got technical difficulties, and uh, we're sticking to, like, regular-sized episodes right now. There's, like, so much, so much media that's going into the queer music episode right now. That's, 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 that's what's going on with that. That's why, that's why there's a delay. But, um, I don't know, there's gonna be, there's gonna be some more sex stuff coming up. We have to have a solo orgasm episode. Um, I've talked to too many straight women that can't make themselves come to make me be able to sleep at night. Um, and not that I give a shit about whether or not y'all are coming, but I do believe that everybody's entitled to sexual satisfaction. As a human, it's a human right. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, X-Gen, for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Becky. Oh my goodness, it's so good. It's so wonderful. All right. Ta-ta. Bye. Bye.